All right, let's go. Let's go. 41 to 7, 24 to 7. If you went to bed at all any earlier than you normally do last night, you did not miss anything in the National Football League. Outside, Josh Helmer. Good morning, Josh. And a very nice good morning to you. Happy Tuesday. Outside of Jalen Hurts continuing to prove some of the doubters wrong. Maybe I'm looking in the mirror <laughs> on truly? this one. I'm right there with you. Uh, I was listening last night after the game, and uh, somebody even said they thought he was the best quarterback in the NFC. Now, maybe we're getting a little bit carried away on two games, and that's fine. I'm old enough to remember 2017 when the Raiders were 2-0 and and they were going to the Super Bowl, and I don't think they won again until Week 12, but we're not here to hash over those horrible memories. Still, pretty cool night. Pretty cool night. And I'm not – I'm trying to be smarter. In college football and in pro football, as we welcome you into a Tanoga Tuesday, I'm trying to be smarter, Josh. I've never really been a knee-jerk guy, but some of my jobs are, like, demanding it just based on how, re- how ridiculous some of what you're, you're forced to debate about truly is. But I just – I still don't know if we truly know anything in the NFL. I still don't know. Uh, I, I would say if we were to play our Monday game – for the NFL, remember, hey, after week three of Oklahoma Sooner football, I know this. If we were to play that here in the NFL, I might feel confident in saying after two weeks, the Bills are going to <laughs> win their division and they're going to play the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I would feel confident with that. And that's really about it. It's really about it in the NFL. Don't know. Yeah, it does feel like those two things are – I mean, not necessarily that they will definitively meet in the AFC championship game, but... They're going to the playoffs. How's that? Yeah, and those two are definite factors in the AFC. Agreed. Agreed. And probably one of those two will be in the Super Bowl. Agreed. I mean, I don't know through two weeks of the season against very good teams if we've seen a squad have a start quite like the Buffalo Bills have in the National Football League. But we'll get to all that coming up in just a bit. There, There's some breaking news. It demands our attention. And I don't – I don't know. This is always weird to me. I don't know how breaking it truly is. And, I, and I'm not – this isn't a knock at Brett. Brett's report is spot on. I just – I feel like we've known this for a while. Just maybe today is that confirmation for now. Right, maybe today is that confirmation that oh wow this this really isn't happening. This really is going to be something that, even though many of us feel there's a path towards bedlam in football continuing once Oklahoma moves the SEC, Oklahoma State's been pretty hell bent that it's not, and. Again, that's their right. That's their priority, and I got no problem with it. I'm different, and I've talked about this a lot on the show. I love Bedlam. I wish all three of the state schools played each other every year. 
I wish Oklahoma and Oklahoma State would play Tulsa every single year. Um, and, you know, while they were in the same conference, it wasn't much of an issue. But I like it. Call me a nerd. Call me clueless. Whatever term you need. But that's that's what I wish would happen. Right? I think it'd be real. I think Tulsa could be that middle opponent for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State every year. If you're going to play a rock star and you're going to play a a group of five, if that's even still a thing anymore, and then you're going to play a team you know you can beat. Tulsa, to me, is infinitely more intriguing for both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma than UTEP or, I don't know, who was who who the rando on Oklahoma State's – oh, Central Michigan. I'd much rather see Oklahoma State – play Arizona State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Tulsa than having Central Michigan in there. But I digress. Same for Oklahoma. It's just, it's kind of, when the news first broke, when the news first broke that Oklahoma was leaving for the SEC, the first two people from Oklahoma State that I talked to, their very first thing was, well, Bedlam's done. And and I was like, oh, okay. Again, I want it to continue. I want him to play, but it wasn't it wasn't like my soul had been cut out of me. It wasn't it wasn't like the Raiders and Chiefs are are in different divisions or I mean I mean that's a little bit of a reach, but it wasn't in game. And I I don't I don't know. I I don't know if it is for some in the crimson and cream. I hate it. I want it to still be played, but you know, Oklahoma's moving on to a place where they're going to play the Alabamas and the Georgias and the, gosh, you can say the Arkansas and the Tennessees and the Floridas. It's fun schedule. It's going to be fun and it's going to be challenging. But I don't – I guess I don't understand – like, for, let, me give you, let me give you a comparison. Let me give you a comparison real quick. You know, LSU fans, if I'm off base, you tell me. When Texas made the move, when Texas made the move to the SEC, what was the first thing Texas Tech wanted to do? Ensure that their game with Texas continued. They're fighting over it right now. In fact, Texas Tech's athletic director, Kirby Hocutt, said we we had a handshake agreement that we would continue these games, you know, home and homes and in every sport. And I thought that was kind of cool. Oklahoma State's gone the exact opposite, and that's fine. I, I don't I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I don't understand it. It's like it's like my wife telling me, you know what? You're in trouble. You're staying home Sunday and you're sitting on the couch. You're like, oh uh, okay. It's like Oklahoma State said, we're done with Bedlam. Bye. Okay, okay. I, I hate it. But the, the way that this has been portrayed from a, a Cowboy perspective is just, it's fascinating to me. Now, nothing's going to happen that suddenly people aren't going to OSU games. I'm not trying to say anything like that. It's just they've had a much different approach than what you typically see in these types of situations. And no one's saying you have to gravel and kiss Oklahoma State's backside or or Oklahoma's backside or anything, or vice versa. 
That's not the point. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, it's weird. It, 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 it's weird. They took the Kansas approach. They took the Kansas approach. When, when Missouri left for the SEC, it's like, we're not playing you. When, when West Virginia and Pitt went their separate ways, it was, we're not, we're, I'm not playing that game. So, the report this morning gives us a little content nugget for this week, but I, I don't really know if there's anything overly shocking. I mean, this is all this has all been laid out whenever it was announced that this move was going to be made, and Oklahoma State made it very clear that they weren't going to they weren't going to trip over themselves to play Oklahoma. And Mike Gundy was at the forefront of that, and their president was. And they were in the midst of a new athletic director who has adopted that as well. And Chad Weiberg's been on the job for more than a job, so uh, more than a year, so obviously knew when they took the job. And I've, I've talked to Chad Weiberg about this. I think, I don't know, I, I, I will say there is a petty part of me that if they're like, well, we can't work out the football thing, there's a part of me that's like, well, then why are we playing them in softball? Why are we playing them in baseball? Why are we playing them in, in basketball? If that's going to be the mindset, then I'm sure there'll be, you know, let's go to Tulsa in softball. Let's play, well, let's try, let's go to Arkansas more in basketball. I mean, and we will in the SEC, but I don't know. I just, it's, to me, I know it can't be an all or nothing thing, but it just, it really seems interesting that the very first response in all of this was very, uh, very A and M Texas, very Missouri Kansas, and it was it was one of the possibilities whenever Oklahoma made the trip to the SEC. So, according to a report from Brett McMurphy this morning, an exclusive, Joe Castiglione and Chad Weiberg told Action Network that once Oklahoma leaves for the Big 12 in 2025, Bedlam is done. Here's the quote from Chad Weiberg. It presents logistical issues under our current scheduling structure. We don't have any openings to play them. We're full. Unless there's a significant under unless there are significant undertakings to make the game happen, it can't happen. Now Toby brought up something interesting near the end of his show. There might be a situation where there might be a situation, Josh, where when either ESPN or Fox are negotiating a new Big 12 contract, they might say, really want you to find a way to make that Bedlam game happen. Really think it's possible. Not unlikely. But and we've also learned that the, the wild thing is we we learned during COVID, and COVID was very unique. We don't have to schedule things out 30 years in advance. We can get things done relatively quickly. Look at Oklahoma SMU the other day. Got done very quickly. How did that happen with everything being scheduled out so far? How in the world did Oklahoma SMU possibly happen? Joe Castiglione has been been pretty open about it, I think. He's like, listen, we want to play him. Find a spot. Um, But as he said, Oklahoma State show no interest to schedule any future games in football. So – we're moving on. I mean, how long do you wait? I think Joe C's been more than patient. It's like, hey, we'd love to do it here. No, can't. Can't. We're playing Oregon. That'll fill the stands. I'm just I, – I, 
I want it to continue. I really, truly do. I think it's one of the the best things that happens every year in football. I I love it in softball. It's become one of my uh, favorite trips in softball. It's cool to see what Kenny's done with the softball program there. Obviously, basketball's a madhouse. Always is. But they don't want to play. What can you do? Neither side is going to bend over backwards to help the other. Um, part of the problem, and Brett McMurphy lays this out brilliantly, is that both schools have similar scheduling philosophies. OSU is expected to continue with a nine-game Big 12 schedule, or at least we think it'll be a nine-game Big 12 schedule. The expectation is that the SEC will have a nine-game schedule. So there's three non-conference games per season, which Power 5, Group of 5, FCS opponent has kind of been how it's gone. Well, and, and maybe I should clarify that. Power 5 conference opponent, non-conference opponent, and then they'll fill those final two spots with Couple uh, group of fives, maybe an FCS. Bingo. 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 But. Which, oh, by the way, stinks. That scheduling philosophy should you don't be like gone. That? No, hate it. What do, you, what do you think it should go to? Because I'm open. I think it should be one group of five, maybe one FCS, or zero. I agree. You got, I mean, you two, got a 12 12- power five, a group of five, and no FCS. That's it. I like it. For Oklahoma, definitely. And really for pretty much any Power 5 team now. With the college football playoff having expanded to 12, some of these games, it's it's time to go. That scheduling philosophy should be a thing of the past. Which um, would then open the door for something like in a Bedlam to return. Or, sure. But, you know, Oklahoma State's probably not going to schedule it because they don't want to schedule it. This has nothing to do with scheduling philosophy. No, no, no. I, I think this has to do with, with, with still some, some anger and some pettiness. Like I said, whenever this first happened, that was the first thing that, you know, the Oklahoma State people would say to me that are my friends, like, well, Bedlam's gone. I'm like, yeah, it is. I mean, is that like a flex or something? I mean, it's just, I understand. I get it, but I'm sure they can schedule non-conference. No, no, they can't. Can't sch- no, you're done. It's like, I, okay. I like what you said earlier. If you're not going to play in football, don't play in basketball, right. baseball, or softball. Don't don't play in any of the sports. Our schedule's out there. Our schedule's out there. Um, but, again, I don't – I'm not someone – I know Drake vehemently disagrees with me on this. But I'm not someone that says 90 wins, 19 losses, seven, seven ties. It's, it's not a rivalry. But I – um. Because, I, I mean, I get fired up to play OSU. I get fired up to see the crimson and cream versus the orange and the black. I love it. I love it. What Oklahoma State's done over the last 20 years with their program and how, you know, you go back to really – we were the – in Tulsa, we were the Oklahoma State affiliate in the very early 2000s and how they've – it's pretty cool. I think even Oklahoma fans would agree – it's pretty cool to go to Stillwater and see what they've done with their tailgating scene today compared to what it was. And I, when I say yesterday, I know I'm going back quite a while. You know, to see how from every coach and moron – wait, you said it, moron. What was what, that about? Anyway, uh, is that old? Is that me? <laughs> no, yeah, that's directed at one of us. Sorry. But it's interesting to me how – 
when you get into these types of situations, sometimes it's more what a person feels like they're gaining out of not letting – oh, well, we're not going to let this happen, so we'll show you. When it hurts everyone because I just – I think it can happen. I think it should happen. I hope it happens. But Oklahoma State doesn't want to, and Oklahoma doesn't need to go out there and beg and scratch and claw and steal. They're set. It, it And it won't happen no. until Weiberg's out of the picture, Gundy is out of the picture, and probably – Shrum is out of That's the That's what I was trying to get to before the uh, before I got mind bleeped by the text line. I can't look at that screen whenever you pull it up off the top of the show. My bad. But, yeah, you might, it might be a situation where it takes new leadership there. But that's a pretty young group. I don't think Chad Weiberg's going anywhere. I think, I think Chad Weiberg's a really good athletic director. I think they're doing – like I said, I think they're doing really great things. I really do. They're positioning themselves to be a Big 12 power once Oklahoma and Texas – they're a Big 12 power now. What am I talking about? And to become the dominant team in that league. So, it's something we knew. It's it's something that is not shocking. But whenever you get that confirmation today, it's like, oh, okay, well, this, this isn't happening. <laughs> I guess there's no future for it. Unless a TV network says, we really want you guys to play that game, so find a spot for it. Which I guess is the only hope. Yeah, and that's not the most unrealistic thing of all time, that at some point there could be a gentle little nudge in that direction. But then again, look, you, you've kind of made your bet now. I mean, right. Oklahoma's going to go in a different direction. Oklahoma wanted this to happen. Now now you do start scheduling other opponents. Um, this is completely and absolutely incorrect from the 918. You just said it, moron. The petty comes strictly from the OU side. For instance, no football, no other sports. No, Chris Plank and Josh Helmer said that. Yeah, that's no, us. OU's going to play the other sports. Yes, that's happening. Don't be a dope. Um, we're saying if we were in charge. Right. I wouldn't do it. But that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm petty. I will say, if you want to start with the original petty, that's, well, this game's not happening. Okay. But is there, it's everything... It's everything you are allowed to do. We're not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's not. Air Comfort Solutions text line is on fire from this. I'm not only going to get after the, I'm not only going to get after the haters, but they, listen, Oklahoma State is mad about this still to this day, and it's fine. They should be, as is Baylor, as is TCU, as is obviously Texas Tech. Everyone is mad about it. It. I get it. Well, they brought in four teams, and they're going to be fine. They are. They're not going to make as much money, but they're going to be fine. But there is still this, this happened, this happened behind our back. We also have a tweet up at KREF Sports, if you guys want to get after it, asking how, how's it, how's it kind of a affecting slash feeling, knowing that it's done, so done. I never say never, but this has been one of those to where it's – at what point are you like, all right, listen, we, we've we've tried. We're going to move on now. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I, have a, I have a friend that I like a lot. Like like a lot. And had always been te- – nothing ever back. Text, text, message. Hey, you okay? What's going on? How's it going? Uh, if you want to go grab lunch, I'm here for you. At some point, you just say, 
they don't, they don't either, either want help or they don't want me in their life, right? At some point, you're like, okay, I'm done with you. This is a one-sided effort. And it seems as if in this instance, that's kind of how it became. So time to move on. All right, quick break. When we come back on the Plank Show, we'll hit the early air comfort solutions text, 405-651-3439. Tons of audio from yesterday's meeting with the media from Jeff Levy and Ted Roof. And we taped our Coach's Corner with Ted Roof. Want to share a little bit about what the Oklahoma defensive coordinator had to say as we roll on on a Tenoga Tuesday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. <laughs> oh, this Air Comfort Solutions text line right now is fire. Uh, is fire. OSU can start claiming Bedlam wins just like the 45 championship t-shirt sales will be epic. Um, OSU doesn't want to play OU because it gets rid of an almost certain loss each year. That is the real reason they don't want to play OU. OU leaving for the SEC is just being used as a convenient excuse so OSU doesn't look so weak. Now, I would say I think OSU has gotten infinitely better in football than they were during the high times of Bedlam. And they beat OU last season. They won last year. Uh, Big Bad Wolf. (laughs) This attitude stinks. They aren't Russia. They are another school that represents Oklahoma and does a great job of doing so. We don't have to like them. But we should not hate them. They aren't Texas or an enemy. They are our little brother. I still hate that. Then where is Oklahoma across the chest to? If anything, we should root for them to be good so that both Oklahoma schools are on top. And then what would make it even sweeter is getting to say at the end of the Bedlam game, we still own the state. But for some of y'all who wants nothing to do with OSU, as if they're not, an Oklahoma school with great traditions, then you're selling yourself short. Because let me tell you, once OSU makes the playoffs and OU doesn't, I'll definitely have someone to root for Oklahoma against the world. If that's OU or OSU, bleep every other state. Uh, That's Big Bad Wolf, who is there for states uh, to kind of separate themselves and take on everyone. Uh, Bobby from Austin. OU Florida, OU Arkansas, and OU Tennessee just seem like more compelling program matchups to me. And in the future, non-conference, I'd rather face an OSU Notre Dame or a Michigan than an Oklahoma State, OSU Ohio State. Um, Men, good morning. Are we expecting OU and Texas to be on tonight's 2023 SEC football schedule release? <laughs> no, we are not. No, that one. That one happened. And I did like this. Listen, I there is there are some people that I don't know. I, I maybe they hate listen. It's laughable, writes the uh four oh five. How uh, well hold on, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. Here, here the nine one eight. The fact is all of the narrative comes out of your mouths. That's right. Welcome to the show. We set all the narratives for the Sooner Nation. Everyone agrees with everything that we say. Indeed. And it's basically whenever, who was it, Plankton in the SpongeBob movie got the buckets, the chum buckets that went over their head, and everyone was just like walking around and doing everything he said. It's pretty much what this it is. It turns into groupthink after yeah, we talk. Very much so. You can't spare a moment to discuss OSU sports, but happy to badmouth the program. I can't wait until the separation begins and media recognizes the legitimacy of the OSU market. I don't think that either one of us badmouthed it. 
Oklahoma State this morning. We've told you facts. I mean, if you're mad about what your team's doing, then those are facts. If anything, we're a lot nicer than most people mm. about Oklahoma State. I just told you guys. I, I literally spent 10 minutes giving them uh, – what's a – I don't yeah. want to get in trouble with my language here. Massaging them. I was like, this, these, this is a good program. Not, for some people, it's not enough. Well, you're an Oklahoma guy, and you're just saying it because – you're just looking down. No, I, I think Oklahoma – I wish it continued. The media oh. legitimacy portion of that statement is kind of funny. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State's very legitimate. and uh, But not the same market as Oklahoma. So no. don't fool yourself in that regard. Oh, and this is kind of similar to that last text. The anger shown by OSU leaders has always existed in spite of the fact OU tried to sponsor the Aggies in the old Big Six in the 1920s. My friend, you, you have a deep – long-standing depth of information there. I've got more to get to. In the meantime, 405-329-9000. We haven't heard from True in a couple of days. What's going on, True Sooner? How are you? Hey, did, didn't know you tried to get OSU into the SEC or the Pac-12 10 years ago? Well, I don't think that they were involved in the SEC, but everyone was going to the Pac-12 about a decade ago. So, And, and yes, it, it was – we want little brother to come along or whatever. I mean, when, when it's something that, I don't know. It, it was it was university leadership. Boren Sorry. wanted Oklahoma State. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of like the rivalry thing. I mean, if you want to call it a rivalry, I mean, I guess it's a state rivalry. But the thing about it is, the fact is, OU has been a, I mean, kind of stealing some thunder from your text line. They've been a fly in OSU's ointment, obviously. Sure. For a hundred years. And literally, I mean, OU's won 90% or right at 90% of those games. So, I mean, you do see a possibility of, oh, wow, if we can't, if we can't beat them, at least we can get rid of them. Um, I, I can definitely see where that, that mentality comes from. Um, but I think it's probably a little bit of – it's probably a little bit of everything. I mean, sure. they've always been angry, you know, and stuff, and, and they don't want – if they want to they, – they, they literally want to take their ball, and, and if they want to go to the neighborhood next, you know, the neighborhood over, which has less talented guys on it, that's they see more wins. They see, I mean, they, they probably see we're never going to get to the playoffs as long as we have to play Oklahoma every year. Well, but remember, okay, I, I, again, I'll hit pause there for just a second. Playoffs are expanding to 12. There's right. going to be a seat at the table for the Big 12 champion. So there's still going to be, if not two teams. From the Big 12, right? right? And, and we'll see what that right. means with the SEC and the Big 10 when they expand, too. But And if you're playing OU, you got a better chance for it to be a two-bit league. So, I, I again, I would push back on that. Uh, I would. I don't, I don't think this comes from any area of we don't want to play OU because we're afraid we're going to lose to them. I think this comes from an area of we're going to show you we're not going to play Bedlam because you went to another conference without us. Yeah, you heard our feelings and it's over. Yeah, that's what I think it which, anybody, which anybody would have done with making triple the money or whatever they're going to make in the projections for 2028. Oh, sure. I mean, Oklahoma State hey, would do it. If they got the yes, invite to yes. the Big Ten, they'd be gone tomorrow. Sure. So let me, I'm going to shift gears on you, Plank, because I'm curious. Do we know what Friday's groundbreaking stuff looks like? They do we know – are you, talking know about about the, the, are you talking about the – are you talking about the – oh, you're talking about softball. Oh, okay, I thought you were talking about the Selman Brothers statue. I do not. I have not got a rundown. I know it's going to start at 1.30. I have a radio show at 2, so I hope it's pretty quick. 
<laughs> coach. Right. But no, I don't, gonna... I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's open to the public, so I would imagine. Yeah, the public. I mean, I've yeah. I've been to I've been to groundbreakings that take an hour. I've been to groundbreakings that take fifteen minutes. I mean, I'm sure that Patty will speak. I'm sure that President Harris will speak. I'm sure that Ginny Love will speak, right. and they'll put shovels in ground, and we'll go. So it's well, kind of what I expect. Yeah, Mostly I was wondering the public is welcome. I heard Grace Lyons is going to be there. Um, you know, so I'm sure there's going to be some, some some leaders of the team there. Sure. Lack of better term. Yeah, I, I, I right. haven't seen the full rundown, but when I do, I'll let you know. All right, man. I appreciate it. I see. That's true sooner. I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. We got the brown uh, groundbreaking coming up on Friday. That's awesome. For Love's Field. And then on Saturday, we have the unveiling of the – Selman Brothers statue, the first defensive-based statue on campus. Long overdue. Long overdue. Long, long, long overdue. I can't uh, lie. I'm pretty excited about both. I'm sure our Oklahoma State texter would agree. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's <laughs> what everyone is. What everyone is really kind of waiting for is to just start seeing movement on Love's Field. But yeah, it's it's pretty. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to think about where this program is going and where it's already been. I mean, Oklahoma softball is a beast right now. But speaking of programs that are on a roll, Lindsey Gray Walton's going to join us at 1030. So we'll talk to the head volleyball coach. You know, you haven't talked to LG Dub in a bit. So Lindsey Gray Walton coming up here in just a bit. In the meantime, oh, you break. It's a plank show in studio. Brent Venables presser coming up. At 11.15, though typically that's become 11.30. So we'll see how that lines up right here on a busy, busy Tuesday on the Home Sooner Fans. <laughs> Did you, uh, I'll always go get your coffee if you want me to. I'm sorry. I haven't I, left the studio yet. I just couldn't afford another 10-minute wait. What can I say? Uh, I hit a... You hit Twitter real quick during the break just to kind of catch up on things. On my Twitter timeline, I got a really cool quote. I talked to Brian Bosworth Friday and Saturday, and he is all in right now on Brent Venables. It's really cool to see. We got a game on Saturday. We got we got a bunch of really good games in college football on Saturday. One right here in Norman, and it's Oklahoma and Kansas State. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun matchup. And I'm not one of those that gets too caught up in, well – Kansas State got beat last week, so they're vulnerable, but I'm not. You okay? What's attacking you? Oh, there's a fly in here. There's nothing that shakes me anymore in any conversation than a bug flying around in front of me. I could be getting ready for Toby, we're down here. Fly, get out of my face. Toby, we're down here on the field. I'm literally, it, it shakes me. I don't know why. And I'm so around obnoxious. them all the time. We got a great schedule, college football. The frustration is, I mean, I'm going to make this very clear. I want Bedlam to continue. Oklahoma State's made it clear they don't. And so I checked Twitter during the break, and uh, the great Macy Turley had a good take. She writes, to me, the, pro- the problem may be some hurt feelings from Oklahoma State. However, from a football perspective, the big- biggest issue is college football practically makes it a requirement to go undefeated each year. Until that changes, and not sure how it can, scheduling will always be an issue. And I think adding – eight teams the playoff mix will help that quite a bit there's also a fan kind of mindset that needs to change if you don't go undefeated not just is it college football it's it's fans like oh 
guess we lost a game. Guess we suck, right? I mean, Nick Saban talks about it all the time. I mean, we're watching the NFL where half the league is one and one right now. And, I mean, my team's 0-2 and had their heart ripped out two weeks in a row. And, you know, I'm, I'm down, but I'm not, like, season over. So One of the participants in the Super Bowl lost to a backup quarterback <laughs> right. and is 0-2. Right. And, oh, by the way, the other participant in the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl champion, nearly coughed up a 28-3 lead yeah. versus a bad Atlanta team. So, so it's just it's, it's the unfortunate reality of the difference between college and pro football. But, you know, you lose one game and suddenly it's not just, wow, are we out of the playoff mix? It's, it's also – it's also a fan mindset too. And I don't I don't think we need to like pull the band-aid off this wound anymore for each other. I mean it's this is this is something that appears to have been officialized today and we'll see where it goes from here. It's interesting because I had just sent you a link from a Joe C conversation that he had with who was it, Eric Bailey, which kind of continues to hammer home the fact that Oklahoma is not going anywhere until twenty twenty five. And if that's the case, we still got a lot of time to kind of figure out if maybe maybe something else could be worked out between these two programs. Uh, Josie told Eric Bailey and the Tulsa because I thought Josh whenever I was driving in this morning I thought this was going to be our big story today I thought this was going to be it I thought it was going to be hey guys we get another reinforcement that this thing ain't happening until 25 nothing has changed on that front quote sometimes the story is just straightforward and people don't want to believe it this is simply a situation we faced with not only two different opponents but two different scenarios we understand both sides of it very, very clearly. That was him in the announcement that the Tennessee and Georgia series were changing and having nothing to do with an earlier trip to the SEC. I get it, Josie said. I get why people want to keep asking because the world of college football continues to evolve. And you need to ask the question just to be sure. We've said it consistently that what we are fulfilling – Right, excuse me. We said it consistently that we are fulfilling all of the obligations in the remaining years in the Big 12. Now, again, we'll see if there's a leverage play by ESPN or, I don't know, the Big 12 and their TV deals or the SEC to try to get OU and Texas into the SEC by 2024 when that TV deal starts. Maybe, maybe not. Would make sense. It, it would, like, make too much sense. But that – that story has become like old news now with the Brett McMurphy report. I will say there is one thing that I, I have noticed. Usually whenever a story like this hits, there's a couple of there's a couple of reports from Oklahoma beat guys or the website dudes where it's, hey, this is what we've heard. And I haven't seen any of that yet. You know, usually Eric or Ryan or someone will confirm it. Or one of the ADs will reach out and say, hey, I, I know that's what it sounds like, but here's this or that. But I, I haven't. So for that, we'll just take this at its word. No reason to doubt it. 
Report this morning, the Bedlam series is indeed done. Both teams have talked about uh, – let me rephrase that. Oklahoma has talked to OSU about trying to schedule in the future. OSU says it doesn't have any room and uh, have kind of decided not to do it, so the Sooners will move forward with their non-conference plans for future schedules. All right, we're due a break. It's no, – whoa, it's 9.49. When we come back, get you ready for a little Jeff Lebby and Ted Roof in hour two. Plus, Brent Venable speaks at 11.15. And we got NFL from last night to recap. It's a busy Tuesday on the ref. Do you follow at Stats O War on Twitter? I I don't know if I don't know if I do or not, but I definitely see a lot of what Stats Award is posting out there. Have we I, I don't know, does he go back when he has these projections and try to kind of lay out how right they actually are? Probably not. Okay. Who does that? Well, definitely not me. But I was just curious because there's always been some interesting stuff. I, I kind of look at his numbers for potential upset picks. Oh, you do? Every now and then. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think he's really good. Um, I I think I've even bought him a beer before because there's a link where you could send uh, money via – why am I a moron and forgetting the only place? Venmo, Cash App. Thank you, Venmo. I don't trust Cash App. Venmo, that's the way to go for me. But it was just interesting. I was looking through some of these, and I wonder what his record looks like because he has the one that jumped out to me. Iowa State, based on the statistical analysis, beating Baylor 31-25, to which would seem like a pretty significant beating for a team that was projected to be at the lower end of the Big 12 versus what many see as potentially a Big 12 champion. Correct. Yeah. Think about making that my lock. I'm 1-0 and when I make beating Baylor my lock. <laughs> that's true. I am. That's that, That's kind of the way things go around here. 2-1 and one on my locks, 1-2 and two on my upsets, and I think I'm going against USC again for my upset pick this week. That's going to be such a awesome game up in Ames. You know, this is a fun weekend in the Big 12. And I, I I know that we're caught up in this report this morning about, you know, that Brett and McMurphy's talked to both ADs and that Bedlam is coming to an end. But you get more than just the the one game in conference, and I find it to be three incredibly compelling games. Baylor at Iowa State, I mean, we're going to get to watch it. It's 11 a.m. kick on ESPN2. I still don't know what to make of Iowa State. It it's kind of what we thought they were going to be last year at three and zero, but it's it's different, right? Hunter Decker's looks pretty good. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson has been outstanding defensively. They've been solid, and they get a lot of big games at home this year. They get they get Kansas State at home. They get Farmageddon at home. They get Baylor at home. They get Oklahoma at home. They get Tech at home. So, I mean, maybe there's a chance that they're a little bit better because I, I was with you, Josh. I thought Iowa State was going to completely fall off a cliff this season. They got to go to Kansas. They do. Now suddenly everything changes I about those Kansas I told you in the offseason Kansas, Kansas was winning that game. Uh, Texas, is it Tech this weekend? I It's kind of slid under the radar. Tech looked really bad on Saturday night. And I know, I know for – Joey McGuire and for Donovan Smith, that was their first true road test of the season. And 
you know, maybe it's it's just a situation of kind of, you know, shaking it off. But that was that was bad. They it, got the Helmer kiss of death. Oh, did you had you picked him as your upset? I told you that Donovan Smith was can elite roofing systems on top of uh, oh, the world. Oh, that's right. That's watch. right. I think I went with Adrian Martinez too. So we were both uh, over <laughs> two. <laughs> I think we both had a bad weekend. But it's kind of wild because I say Tech played terribly, but I mean they were within two scores of that game late. So I don't want to just bury them, but yeah, they they're pretty ugly. And they've got Texas this weekend. And, of course, the game we're going to spend the next two hours talking about Oklahoma and Kansas State intertwined with some of our realignment conversations. But, listen, the low-hanging fruit would be to sit here and say all day, how do you feel about Bedlam not happening? But I feel like we've done that show. You know, I feel like I feel like we did that show when Oklahoma left for the SEC, and it just it angers people. And I don't want to fight. I'm in a good mood. It's a Tanoga Tuesday. So I'm taking away from you. I'm not giving it away. No giveaways. Let's hear from Jeff Lebby and Ted Roof when we come back from their pressers next on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back to the Plank Show. Sorry, I'm I was trying to go through Forgiven. this. I was trying to go through the coaches that got axed from the incredible 17-18 hiring cycle. Yes, oh, I that? know. How about that? How about that? I sent Josh a link to an article that Bill Bender wrote for the Sporting News. And if you go back and you look at the hiring cycle from the 17-18 offseason, the 17-18 class, if you will, uh, Herm Edwards was fired on Sunday. A total of 21 coaches were hired that offseason. 13 Power 5 guys. And only six remain at this school that hired them. Now, granted, Hypo left UCF to go to Tennessee. Sure, sure. There's some there's some upgrades. But remember that offseason, Jimbo Fisher to A&M, Scott Frost to Nebraska, Chip Kelly to UCLA, mm-hmm. Dan Mullen to Florida. There was uh, Mario Cristobal took the Oregon job. Another, another didn't really fail. You know, I don't – it's kind of wild in thinking about Mario Cristobal's path because whenever – I'm trying to look to make sure. I think it was Florida – whenever he was at Florida International, I mean, it it didn't end well for him. He was he was fired at FIU. He's one of the, the, the coaching rehab guys that we talk about that – doesn't get enough talk. Did I say that right? Nick Saban's, oh, he bring his guys in and suddenly they rehab his reputation. I mean, he was 27 and 47 in six years at Florida International. Whenever he was hired by Oregon, it wasn't really viewed as a splashy hire at the time. He had been fired at FIU. Now, he was a dynamic recruiter, but... Then suddenly he went to Oregon, and by God, he became the man. And he's in Miami now. But it's, it is kind of wild to look back, and even thinking about that hiring of Mario Cristobal wasn't really a wow. It was, oh, that's what Oregon's going to do? <laughs> they got who? Jeremy Pruitt was hired at Tennessee that offseason. Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. Willie Taggart, speaking of guys who, who we thought were slam dunks. Willie Taggart at Florida State. 
unmitigated disaster. Oh, my gosh. Here's the worst of them all, though. Sit down, Arkansas fans. Chad Morris, my guy Chad, was hired during that cycle. Chad Morris I always thought it was going to work. but Bielema Morris. No, I was sitting here trying to chop up some audio, and I was afraid I had, like, last week's presser in here because there was a question that was asked about playing a quarterback that they had played last year. And Barry started asking about Casey Thompson. I was like, is that this? They, they already played Nebraska. But I wonder if he was saying, you know, last week you had Casey Thompson. Probably. In so maybe, maybe that was it. But anyway, let's share a, li- a little well, bit. And there's the, you know, Casey Thompson takes over in Nebraska and Martinez was at Nebraska, Ty. So. We'll get to the defense in the next segment so I can confirm all that. In the meantime, Jeff Lebby. Met with the media yesterday, and as you might imagine, feeling pretty good about the way that this uh, offense, offense first, offense responded on Saturday after what I think we all agree was a pretty slow start. I think we've gotten better every week. You know, we're going to continue to talk about getting better, being better, playing better, strike, strain, finish. Uh, Again, we're we're all on the same page. If we want to do what we want to do, man, it's going to start up front. So... Proud of where those guys are. We've got a ton of work to do. Proud of the depth that uh, you know. I think we've developed a little bit just from guys being able to play a bunch of snaps. So, uh, got a ton of work to do. Got a great challenge Saturday night, man. So it'll be be a great week. Now, one guy that is back so back is Wanye Morris, and here a little double shot of Wanye reaction from Jeff Levy. Just being able to come back in and and. And play and, and get his feet wet again, I think was great for us. Again, creating depth at that position is, is so critical for us being able to go do what we want to do. Uh, McCade is, has been the same dude every single day. He's been great since he's been here um, and excited for him just to be able to experience what he's getting to experience, but play the way he's been able to play too. So uh, excited for both those guys. Thought a really good question was asked by I think it was Bob Prisbillo about hey you know Wanye was it tough to keep him engaged right during the time whenever he was suspended what was that process like and did you see him get better you know Wanye's uh, he's a guy that's gone through some stuff he's lived it he's he's got some some great experience and so I think being an older guy being a more mature guy gave him the ability to to help us down there on the other end and uh, and give the defense a great look while he was getting ready to man to to get to Lincoln and and get on the field. So he uh, he handled it in a very mature way, uh, really the the way we expected, and and uh, and then played hard uh, Saturday afternoon. Can I? Can I? Um maybe go back to an old take from earlier from yesterday's show here you go after three weeks of Oklahoma Sooner football I know this this offensive line is going to be really really good if everyone stays healthy oh really you think so I think so 5.8 5.8 yards per tote. Not bad. In Lincoln. And I I think there's been a combination of things that have happened. Number one, Wanya Morris got suspended for the first two games of the season. Number two, I don't know how healthy McCade Matara was, and maybe even still is. 
I also think that there is a different level that he needs to play at. Number three, Andrew Rame is getting better. He's got a lot of work to do. That center position is one of the most challenging positions in Bill Beanbow's offense and uh, on, on the offensive line, but period. I mean, you, you have a lot that's expected of you from your offensive line coach. And based on what I've learned early on, a lot that's expected out of you from your offensive coordinator. And I think it's tough because I'm not here. You're, college, you're a D1 college athlete, man. You got you got to roll with the punches. But Andrew Rame had just started playing center last spring, gets a little bit better, and then suddenly that next spring, you've got to learn a whole new offense. You've got to learn a whole new offense, and you've got to learn a whole new level of calls and things that you're responsible for. So it's different. And, you know, based on really smart offensive line people that I talk to, Josh, they think Anton Harrison may have played his best game of the season on cert day and you you're looking at it right now on Saturday they're going to have to deal with a guy that's going to play on Sundays in the NFL in Felix Onyedike Uzoma and he is a problem off the edge now you know I Ted might be able to make me smarter on this but I'm not really sure if he's a guy that they move around quite a bit, so you've got to be ready on both sides if you're Morris or Harrison. But I think that's a big-time matchup that when the Sooners throw the ball and and try to create a nice, clean pocket for Dylan Gabriel, that's a dude that can be a game-plan wrecker if you don't control him. It's going to be a really good test, isn't it, to see where Oklahoma stacks up in that department. They've not seen a pass rusher of this ilk. Yet in 2022, well, you get an NFL draft pick that you get to go up against in, uh, well, I don't even want to try pronouncing his name right now, but in uh, this young man from Kansas State. Yeah, Anjadike uh, is almost an issue. He's a problem. I think they're a pretty good defense, by the way. Thank you for the heavy lifting. Oh, I, I've said it wrong most of the offseason, and I finally just had it click the last two or three weeks. Lee Summit North product. That's right. And I don't think he was a very highly recruited guy either. I don't think he was a dude that, if you look back, was like a maybe he was a three star. But regardless, it's an issue. Now, speaking of Kansas State, uh, Jeff Levy was asked about Kansas State. And sure, the Wildcats come in off a loss, but they also come in with a fairly solid, pretty good defense. Two star prospects. See, I told you. He was the seven. Uh, he was the forty-third ranked prospect in Missouri, and the one hundred and twenty-third ranked product at his position, according to twenty-four-seven Sports. Three star in the composite, two star according to twenty-four-seven Sports. Crazy. What does that mean? It means the uh, in the composite would be two-four-seven Sports with rivals with on three with gotcha. ESPN. It's gotcha. everything put okay. together. Thank you. I learned something today. And the 24-7 sports, that, that's just their okay. site ranking for him. Well, here's what Jeff Levy had to say about the K-State defense no. and what's caught his eye. No, these, these guys have played incredibly well. Like You look at them from a statistical standpoint, they're at the tops of just about everything in the country. So uh, they are, they're the Kansas State team that is exactly who you would think that they would be. They play incredibly hard. They're incredibly physical. They're very, very disciplined. Uh, and, and do an unbelievable job on that side of the ball. So that's put them in position to, to win every game they've played. Whatever happened last week happened, but 
Uh, and just like every other week, we, we got feeling 7 o'clock. They're going to be at their best, and we'll be ready to roll. All right, one other thing from this, and we'll get a break and get some Ted Roof. And, again, the, the, the story of the morning, the story that has kind of driven the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439 is the report from Brett McMurphy that neither side was able to find a spot for Bedlam to continue in football. So we'll see how that plays out over the next couple of months or years. Joe Castiglione told Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World that the plan is still as it's always been. OU isn't leaving the Big 12 until the contract expires. Someone did catch, by the way, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line how that's been just incredibly consistent. And it's one thing that I've said from every conversation I've had on and off the air. I mean, I nobody, nobody has varied or moved at all from 25, being when OU goes to the SEC. But Bedlam will not continue. I, I think we all pretty much expected that and knew that. But, you know, Joe C. said it in Bretton McMurphy's piece. They haven't really shown a, a want to, and that's fine. we got to move on in our future schedules. And OSU looks like they've got some good future schedule matchups. Bama, Oregon, those are fun. One but, more against Arizona State. Yeah. Arkansas is on there. Yeah, the, I mean, OSU-Arkansas is a good game. Nebraska. It's good. Colorado. So, yeah, Colorado was good. Boy, they, I don't think their coaches. Yeah, but that's a good. That's a good game. For, it's a good old Big Twelve matchup, yeah, Big Eight matchup. Well, and that's so far into the future. I don't think they they don't play them until the thirties. So right. who knows? Colorado could be a top five opponent by then again. Good point. Probably not, but hey, it's technically I'm trying a to think of guys who are in the league. Colorado head coach Eric Bieniemy by that point, maybe right. But it, yeah, yeah it was, I don't know, maybe. So we're tracking that story, which I don't really know if there's much more to it. Meanwhile. uh, I think Eric Gray is starting to turn some of the haters. I didn't realize how polarizing he was until I happened to kind of really dig into the Air Comfort Solutions text line the other day. And I know this is why. People can change. You know, I if you would have if you would have taken, say, Oboe and after his two seasons just said, well, he can't get after the quarterback, he's no good, then you would he would have never become what he did. Same with Eric Stryker after a season. I mean, if you would have you – know, that, that was one thing that I always loved about Bob Stoops' coached teams is there were always guys that – Devontae Bond was a great example that they had brought in. And, and, you know, maybe they don't have that great first year because, well, as – we all know there's only a handful of dudes that can come in as a true freshman and be difference makers, right? It's Tommy Harris, Adrian Peterson. You know, I, I mean, C- it, it's CD Kenny Stills, CD Lamb, right? I mean, it's a small group. Yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of dudes, and sometimes it takes development, and that's at the core of a program. So, you know, I, I feel like sometimes we just accept, or, or we don't accept that, and a guy's immediately he's done. Oh, I, he's terrible. He the wind blew. It knocked him down. He's never going to be a good running back. But if if you have some patience and you give a guy a chance, the next thing you know, and Eric Stryker's all over the quarterback, and Oboe's everywhere, and Jeremy Beal's sacking everyone on the planet. I mean, development. Uh, Justin Broyles uh, is making plays. Right. No, I'm okay if if he's still over there waving a towel with me on the sideline. I'm fine with that. But there's there's patience that needs to be, I think. 
in a lot of instances, uh, a lot of instances, exercised with some of these dudes. And Eric Gray was one of them. No one had any patience. He was a transfer. He was supposed to be a rock star. It didn't work. But this year, he's been a rock. And Jeff Levy talked about it. Again, he's uh, he's worked the right way. That's what's given him such a great voice uh, in, inside our locker room. But then he's now he's had you know some really good production. You know, I think the best thing was just him being able to get into space and, and win his one-on-ones. He did a great job at the second and third level of winning. Um, <clears throat> but again, Eric's been a pro, and he's been he's been incredibly consistent on and off the field since we've gotten here. And and it's uh, to me, it's a credit to who he is inside and out. I know for some of you, it's just it's never going to be enough. But Eric Gray, solid. Solid. I really enjoyed it. And if it, it seems like he really fits this offense. We're going to get a lot of – I'm going to warn you right now. We got a lot of Javante Barnes talk with DeMarco Murray on Coach's Corner. Really? We got a lot of Javante Barnes talk in. What was the uh, – what was the motivator for that? Just seeing – I'm trying to see Seeing some the, uh, late game totes for him? I, 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 think what it, I think what it is – correct me if you think I'm wrong – but I think Javante Barnes has become that guy that people compare to DeMarco Murray. I think they look at Javante Barnes and they're like, here's our next uh, – Not he's from Las Vegas. so You got the natural – You got that natural thing. Where's the single-digit number? I don't know. But it's just there is – I think fans have a little soft spot for what they feel like Javante Barnes can be. And we, we talked about that with DeMarco Murray a lot on Coach's Corner. So be on the lookout for that this week. Well, it was think, good. I think both Barnes and Sacha could wind up being stars. You know, it's funny, and I brought this up to DeMarco, and we've joked about this before. Think, think about softball. We'll, we'll come in here on a Monday after softball, and they win three games by a combined score of like – 36 to 1, and they hit 12 home runs. And we'll come in here on a Monday, and someone will be like, Hey, where's Emma Guthrie? And <laughs> yeah, like, right. Where's this player at? Right. And, and I just, I get it, right? It, it doesn't matter what happens on the field. You, you want to know. Well, that seems to be Gavin Sawchuck in 22 for OU football. Well, he got in late. He wasn't here for spring, and he's been behind the eight ball. Still dinged up, I think, too. And this. <laughs> I noticed the other day they were trying to see if if Booty was going to General Booty was going to get any snaps. I I don't think you're going to unless things really get out of hand or Davis Bevel gets hurt. It appears as if it's one two three right. Dylan, Be- uh, I almost said Beavis. I've said that a thousand times. Bevel, Beavis Bevel, and Booty. <laughs> I think that's one two three because I don't even remember seeing Mike and Bowen on Saturday. But and that's not maybe he's just not traveling. I don't know. Maybe he was there and I missed it. But I'll just. I'll just say, the uh, the running back depth, that rotation, Gavin Sawchuck's going to get his chance. DeMarco Murray wants him to get an opportunity. But you've got a lot of guys that are looking good right now in that backfield. Well, great. Major. Uh, Javante Barnes, who's the, the, the sawed-off walk-on they put in there that Tommy runs Walker. over people. Yeah, I mean, what about the kid that just transferred in? We haven't seen him in uniform yet. Good so, point. Good point. I, I just – I feel – and it's the running back position, so we just don't know how that's going to unfold over the course of a season. I mean, the wear and tear there, somebody misses a week, all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, here's Sawchuck racing right. to the end zone. We just don't know. All right, quick break. We'll come back here from Ted Ruth, and Lindsey Gray-Walton joins us at 1030 right here on The Ref.
right, uh, Lindsey Gray Walton, about five minutes from now, so we'll roll here quickly. It's a plank show on the ref. <laughs> I mean, the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line is just an absolute S show right now. But here's Very a good bedlam one. Uh, driven. From the from the nine one eight. Can we please talk about the corners for Kansas State? Three players with two interceptions. It's real. Let's hope our passing game is there. Now and go ahead. As we've discussed, elite pass rusher, which I'm sure ding, is ding, ding. helping those out a little bit. So here is one thing that I would say about Kansas State's corners and their ability to ball hawk and this is by no means taking anything away from them because there were two interceptions that occurred on Saturday against Tulane but in their first two games they played in rain and that game against Missouri might have been one of the ah uh, what's the what's the not kindest way to put this one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen from a power conference team in the history of mankind Missouri Tiger offense and their offensive coordinator is supposed to be that dude so I I, I hear you they're really good they're really good they've got a good group of corners. But in the same vein, they've also gone up against three teams that aren't really solid at throwing the football, and two of them were played in rain. And I know at least the second one, they had two delays during it. So I'm not dismissing that point. I think they're really good. I was trying to look at the at the past defense stats here real quick. But I'm in my mind, I say you get you get some control of Madoke off the edge, you're going to be okay. You don't allow that pass rush to get to you. I think they can beat. But, I mean, Julius Brent's really good. He's an Iowa transfer, right? Is that right? Yep. Yep, University of Iowa. Yeah, that's, and, and look at, gosh, his size. Six foot four, 202 pounds from Indy. Uh, the, the other corner is six foot. So, these aren't your five foot ten corners roaming around out there. Right. They got some size to them. Yeah, I would say can't. Yeah, Kansas State's a top ten defense in passing yards allowed this season. So now, they've been really good against the pass. They're about to see clearly far and away their best test. But you just l- look at scoring defense, plank. They're they're top fifteen there. Total defense, uh, they're pretty good, and obviously passing defense. I want to say total defense, they're twentieth, but they're they're top twenty five in each of those three categories. Rushing defense, I think they're a little bit further down the mark. But I agree. Now, on the other side of it, we heard from Jeff Lebby last segment. Let's hear a little bit from Ted Roof here quickly before Lindsey Gray Walton joins us. Coach was asked about Deuce Vaughn, challenge of defending Deuce. One of the nation's best running backs in Deuce Vaughn, uh, certainly in the run game. Uh, he's got great hips and feet and vision, and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of patience, too. Well, he'll stay back there and all of a sudden wait for something to – wait for somebody to get nosy and jump out of their gap and then – here he goes. And at the same time, he's a weapon, you know, in the throwing game as well, too. Um, so they, they throw him the ball. They get him very creative in how they get him the ball. And, again, we have a lot of respect for him, and he's, he's one of the best backs in the nation, and we know it's a, a great challenge for our guys. And this defense has been really good 
tackles for loss, and it's just it's what the defense is. Every week is its, its own week, and uh, you know that was what we decided to do last week from a game plan standpoint. And uh, you know we got punched in the mouth the first series, but I was proud of how our guys responded, and then stopped them for 12 straight series. Uh, so I was proud of that. And at the same t- same time, we've got to fix you know some things that uh, the first series. So. It, but it's this, you know, again, being proud of how our guys responded because on the road, getting punched in the mouth and uh, how they responded was critical. Hey, here's a little bit more on the tackles for loss. Well, I think that, uh, you know, you look at this system over the last 10 years in college football, it has led the country in tackles for losses and sacks. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's about Team 128. It's about this year. And I think our guys, have, the, with, the, with the level of buy-in, they're seeing some of the fruits of their labor. Pay off as far as that to, uh, you know, to create negative yardage plays because that's such a that's such a big deal in football now. I, I agree, I agree. All right, we'll have more from Ted Roof coming up right after the top of the hour. In the meantime, don't forget our pregame show starts early on Saturday prime time. We don't have the updated start times in here, but let's see. So, twelve whenever it was a six o'clock kick. So what, like 1 o'clock? We're going to start our pregame show? Does that seem right to you? I'm guessing here. I would imagine just right at Now, I know I can tell you right now when it started on Saturday, September 10th, but I'm just going to – I'm going to guess. But we'll be over uh, all over campus. We'll have pregame at Balfour, pregame at Hertz Donuts, you know, Pablo Post game. It's all coming up for Oklahoma and Kansas State. But while we're covering football, volleyball will be in the middle of a big battle. Lindsey Gray-Walton joins us next right here on The Ref. What a start for OU Volleyball. We're pumped to be joined on the Riverwind Casino call in line by Lindsey Gray-Walton. Coach, what a, what a road trip, first of all, to start this season. You guys had a lot of bonding time on the road. But how you feel about the way this team has progressed from our uh, start of practice show that we did a couple weeks ago? How have they how have they grown? How have they improved? Uh, I mean, grown immensely. You know, we talked about it in the locker room after this weekend. Just forty five days ago, essentially, we set off on this twenty twenty two journey of a season and our mission twenty two thirteen of making our 13th NCAA tournament as a program and, you know, wanting to put all of the pieces to our puzzle together and some of our parts. And I think we're really starting to embody that part of our culture more than ever. Um, The relentless pursuit has continued to show up and it's been, you know, a main reason to our success of defensive effort turns into offensive excitement. And, um, you know, here we are getting ready to, stare down 16 conference matches and you just, you know, need to show up every day, get better every day. Every team's going to teach you something, but you know, our message each time we've gone into a gym, whether it's been ours or our opponents is, you know, whether there's five fans, 500, 5,000, it's our pace, our game. And I think no different in how we're going to approach this week of practice and training. And, you know, you can't say much more. It's OU Texas as we get it kicked off, but um, you know, rip the Band-Aid off, and then we got 15 more after it. So we um, we want to definitely win as many as we can because our goal is to win 20 this season. But this team, I think, every day with a little bit more success and a little bit more buy-in to the process and seeing that progress pay off, um, I wouldn't say they're a totally different team, but 
they truly are a more confident, more sound and connective team. And that's what road trips do to you. So (laughs) (laughs) we've spent a lot of time together. That is for sure. How about, okay, so this is intriguing to me. I was was looking at the box score. It appears as if you've got multiple quarterbacks out there slash setters. Peyton Chamberlain has been really good. I know Peyton Dunn has been battling through some things. And I don't know, it just, it's got to be nice to have the, the depth at that position, Coach, I don't know if you've had depth like this since you got here. Uh, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, depth is a great thing, as long as everyone can buy into that that mindset that it's the best thing for us and, and against our opponent. Um, depth kills, you know. So we have that in all positions this year, more than ever. And when you have that in your setter's position, um, that is a stem for good competition, healthy competition, good support in, in every other position. So the Paytons have not only been great competitors in their position and done both you know, great jobs when they've gotten the opportunity to, um, but they're like really close off the court. And so they embody you just, you know, you can be the best of friends and the best of competitors and you know, somebody has to play, but the sum of our parts. You know, and we had, we started with Peyton Dunn and, and she ran into some injuries and you know, that's the best thing when your person off the bench um, can just keep the train moving in the right direction. And I think I have to shout out to Peyton Chamberlain because the testament of the calmness that can come when an injury occurs, that didn't happen for our team. And so, you know, how she makes everybody feel out there and then what we were able to do in return with that is just a testament to how she plays the game and who she is as a person, Peyton Chamberlain. So, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time in our gym, good competition. And, you know, this weekend we will probably roll with what we've, we've seen in the, um, in the past weeks just because of consistency, because of stamina, um, and because of pace. But I would expect to see everybody at some point this weekend and next week um, just because I know we'll need it. I, I know that you probably get – tired of me asking about it but it's still one of the most fascinating stories I think that I've seen but the fact that Megan Wilson didn't start playing volleyball until she was what in the eighth grade is still wild to me and how has she handled the position change this year and going to the opposite outside hitter spot I you know I think when you tee up an opportunity to take a person that you know can yield a lot of points there's a system in the what you want to run that this person can really help allow you to do at a high level. And you also know you have the spring to implement and develop not only the physical needs and, um, and also outcomes, but the confidence that that person and the people around her are going to need to, to keep supporting this endeavor, right? It's an all hands on deck type thing. And I just, it's a testament to, to her and, and what she wants to do. You know, Megan is very mission driven, goal driven. And, uh, last year, I think she was just trying to figure out how she wanted to perform and not let herself down because she has really high standards for, for how she goes about it. Uh, and this year, I think she sees her, her game and, and how that helps our team win. And that is just, alleviated what looks like so much more pressure that she was carrying with her last year. And she's just playing free. You know, she's serving the ball tough. She's passing well, playing good defense, blocking, killing the ball. Um, you know, she's blossoming. And I think that's 
just a testament to development, to Megan Wilson, to the support um, around her. And I think we have a great staff that, you know, knows how to develop talent. And that's something that you'll get when you come to our program. Um, if you're a recruit that's being sold on it or if you are a player in it, you know, we're, we're expectant that best is your standard, but we're going to develop your talents and you shouldn't have it all figured out yet. So Megan's a believer and a buyer of that, <laughs> that mantra. And, and what we're seeing right now is a proof of that pudding. So, um, and she's fun to coach, you know, she shows up every day with a good energy about her and um, she's just a different kid this year. So testament to Megan, we're just coaching the kid that wants to be an all American and, and she's allowing us to do that. 10 and two on the season. And as you just said, uh, you are jumping right into it. <laughs> Texas is undefeated on the season, but coach, that's this conference, right? Texas is eight. No, uh, Kansas is better this year. They're there with you at 10 and two. Uh, Baylor obviously was one seed last year. They're at 10 and two. There's no rest in this conference. No, no. I mean, we've got three teams right now ranked in the top 25 in the ABCA top 25 poll. Um, but also, you know, you, number one, Texas, and not very often in your career do you ever get to play a number one team. And in the Big 12, that's something that seems to be year in and year out. We have the opportunity to do that, and it's not always Texas, right? In years it's been Baylor. In years uh, past, KU was up there. Um, And I think that's something as a program we're striving to do. You know, we talk all the time we want to be in the top ten. And that's in every category, whether it's statistical, which we're starting to show up in in a lot right now, or it's attendance, or it's followers, or it's class participation. You know, we we want to be top ten in everything that we do. And so I think uh, what we're striving to do, we want to play the best as well. And so if you're in a conference where every night it's a battle um, and best is the standard for the match, you know, that's what we're striving to, to yield and what better an opportunity than against number one, Texas in Gregory. They're trying to set a decibel record because mm. they can't set a attendance record. And, you know, that's good for us, our pace, our sound, our game. And, um, you know, what we know is we can give te- Texas everything and we can learn a lot, um, but fully expecting with the belief in our mind that we're going to win. If you go in with anything less than that, it, it won't be possible. Um, so we have to go in with the belief that we're going to win, and this is a great opportunity. Cherish the moment that you have in front of us, um, and let's do something that's never been done before. Love it. After the game in Austin this weekend, Sooners return home for a Wednesday game against Kansas. That's at 6 o'clock. Everyone get your tickets at Soonersports.com, and we look forward to our weekly conversations with Lindsey Gray-Walton here on The Ref. Coach, congrats on the great start. Best of luck Saturday, and can't wait to talk to you again next week. Appreciate you always for having me on, and thanks for everybody. We will see you in the castle next Wednesday, y'all. Can't wait. That's Lindsey Gray-Walton. Fired up for that. Uh, Though Texas, number one in the country. Undefeated, eight and zero right now. And they played a killer schedule. The two teams that Oklahoma have, has lost to this year, Mississippi State and Ball State, are like a combined. Let me see. I looked this up just real quick. They're a combined fifteen and five. So there's two really good teams that they've lost to. They look to get a dub against number one on Saturday night. All right, let's hit the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Top five stories today brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Coming up in fifteen minutes from now, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, this is good. Off the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 
Hour two of the Plank Show with Josh. I'm Plank. Stay moving here. Sorry, dude. To keep moving around the studio. Um, Frank. Not to be confused with Frank the Tank from Barstool. Or uh, Frank the Tank from Old School. Or Frank from Always Sunny. Or that Frank Reynolds. That's right. Frank Reynolds. Is there a new season of Always Sunny that I've completely missed out I, on? Dude, I've not watched like the last five seasons. Okay, i got to okay. get caught up. i got to get caught up, too. I Rick and Morty I need to get caught up. I've got so much watching that still needs to take place. First two up, I've, I've do the third one tonight. First two episodes of Rick and Morty, pretty, pretty good. Really? Pretty, pretty good. Like Michael. old school season good, you would say? Yes. Really? <laughs> the second one especially because it's so dumb. Anyway, uh, Frank writes, love this show. It's good to hear. I haven't heard anyone bring up the best thing about the Brent Venables era yet. It's great to see Stutzman and other key performers back on special teams. Brings back memories of early Bob and Barry. I'm not going to lie to you, Frank. I hadn't even thought of that until you just brought it up. We, we've discussed it a little bit with Marvin Mims you know, last week. One of the big plays for Mims was the 30-yard uh, punt return, and that didn't happen under the previous regime because a lot of times Oklahoma wasn't trying to return punts. Right. And then just, you know, philosophically, how many of your starters, both sides of the football, were invo- involved in special right. teams? This is very early Stoops-era approach here for Oklahoma. And I agree, man. I love it. I love seeing stars out there in, in special teams. I love Oklahoma taking special teams seriously. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I will say, I will say, it is, it's one of those things that you're great until one of your guys gets hurt out there on special teams. But I don't care. I mean, you're going to get hurt walking across the street. I don't. It's part of life. It's part of life. I'm glad that they're out there. A couple of other quick texts before we grab. Thank you, Frank. That's a really good point. Like I said, I hadn't even thought of it until you'd brought it up. Hadn't been something that jumped out. And I realized on Saturday, I went I went back on Sunday morning. You know, I I was able to watch a little bit more on Saturday because the bench access was kind of kind of weird. Uh, it was it was cool, but it was a little bit weird. So I got a chance to watch a little bit more the third quarter, fourth quarter than I typically do. But I'll say this that. Uh, that rewatch on Sunday reminded me, Josh, just how little I get to actually watch the game on game day. Now, I can tell you what was going on on the sidelines. I can talk about guys who are standing on benches and getting you all fired up and things of that nature. But when it, when it comes to actually, you know, sometimes on game notes and stories like that, I'm a li- little bit, little bit old, little, so what, or a little bit off. What stood out to you then in the rewatch? Uh, a lot. I thought I was very critical at the moment of Dylan Gabriel's inaccuracy. And when I went back and watched it, I felt like that, like most quarterbacks, there were two and three, two or three throws that were his fault. And I felt like a couple of them were pressure and maybe a good defensive play or maybe a bad route. So I thought maybe I was a little bit unfair in that. And I think we talked about that in the top five things we learned yesterday. Um, I think Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs played a great game, but it's not going to be anything you see in the stat sheet. If you're a stat watcher, you're not going to be too impressed with it. Right. Um, this is from the 712. 
Is Bedlam a rivalry? Bye, Felicia. It's over in 2022. Sooners are SEC bound in 23. That's basically been announced by the non-conference schedule having been changed. I don't I don't know how to break this to our friend from the 712. But if that is the case, if that is the case, then they are doing one heck of a job of throwing out some disinformation. Not just Oklahoma, but the SEC too. And as Greg Sankey, you know, there was one thing that kind of flew under the radar this weekend because we were doing what, following games? Greg Sankey even said, as you guys caught first on the on the text line, hey, we uh we're still playing Texas, Alabama, and Tuscaloosa next year. I think it would be a pretty good indication that if that game's still on and they're announcing about the SEC football schedule tonight, that it's unlikely that we'll see conference expansion by 23. So I hate to spoil the fun, but it looks like we'll have at least one more season in the Big 12, which will then get to a fantastic conversation. Who gets OU in Texas? Are you going to are you going to reward your new members with a home game against these teams? Are you going to let BYU and Cincy and and maybe even a, a UCF or a Houston get a game? You don't think Houston wouldn't mind playing Texas in Texas? I don't know. I just I think I think we're the royal we Oklahoma and Texas. They kind of stuck here for a little bit. But as the Big 12 negotiates its TV deals, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Um, and then there was one more here. Well, you know what? I'll save it for next time. Just the scheduling portion in general. If Oklahoma and Texas, let's say they do stick around for two more seasons, I mean, what is that going to look like? How are they going to divvy that up? What, who... I don't know. It's a great question. And I don't think it's anything that they've – gone too in-depth on and talking about at least giving us any public information from the Big 12 side of things. Because I don't think they'll listen to – if OU and Texas were to say, hey, we'd rather keep playing the teams that are in the league. I don't want to have to go play the new teams. I don't think anyone would say, okay, we'll give you what you want. (laughs) I don't think that's going to be the case. Your mark's probably like, so you are staying for two years, right? (laughs) It's like we're trying to finish these schedules. All right, quick break. Top five stories today next on The Plank Show. Uh, you ready? Uh, you ready to do some news? I feel like it's been a fast-paced show today. Brent Venables is preparing to speak with the media today. It is scheduled for eleven fifteen, and unfortunately, contractually, we cannot air that for you here on the ref. But we will obviously bring you any information that's put out on social media or any news. Has Drake gotten to the point to where he is? Ready to roll for 20 minutes? He's got a lot of content today. He's got a lot I mean, of it's, content. It's really just weaving in and out of audio cuts. Well, you would think. I See, when I did it, I just like, like oh, all right, so Coach ran a little bit behind. Here's Jeff Levy Presser from yesterday. Boom, play that. And they just play the whole thing. Right. I mean, it was because, no, it wasn't on the network. It's like, oh, and here's the – I give Drake. Drake, like, tries to make a show out of it. So, he works a little harder than I do on it. So, we'll see. Captains have been announced, so we'll get that in the top five stories of the day. They were announced just to kick off our number two. Let me see here. Is this 
No, I thought we had two offensive linemen there. Well, you know, we'll just do it here. Let's get to the top five stories of the day. Top five stories today, every single day, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Newcastle Casino, located off I-44 and exit 107, the best reels in town. All right, well, we got a lot of Sooner stuff here, so let's just go. Big story, number five. Number five. Oklahoma has announced its captains for Saturday's game. They are as follows. Jaden Davis, Andrew Rame, Marvin Mims, Jeffrey Johnson, and Ethan Downs. So that's four games, 20 different guys. Some new candidates yeah. for the red suit coat. I don't think anyone's done the same game twice yet. So, And I think that's kind of been the, the idea and the gist behind it. But captains for Saturday's game have been announced. Now, I, I will add, I'm usually on Monday, they announce the start times for the following week's game. And did I just miss that? Or did they put the the hold on until next week for Oklahoma and, and TCU? I would imagine it would be in a hold, right? Until they figure out what happens this week. But I yeah, here we go. Kickoff times in network. ESPN and Fox will use a six-day selection for OSU at Baylor, Oklahoma, TCU, and West Virginia at Texas. So, yeah, I drop. I don't know how did I miss that yesterday morning. The here's one thing we do know for next week: the Texas Tech Kansas State game will be at 11 a.m. on ESPN Plus. The Iowa State at Kansas game will be at 2:30. On either ESPN two or ESPN U, which I guess means just about every time slot is open for OSU at Baylor, Oklahoma at TCU, or West Virginia at Texas. So if you're looking at a start times, we we didn't get much. KU Iowa State is that the conference game that has increased in value the most? Probably so. I mean, like, you would have before the season thought, oh, man, who the heck's going to be watching that? Right. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> it's assuming that Kansas, they're an eight-and-a-half or were point favorite over Duke, assuming that they take care of business, and if Iowa State can beat Baylor at home, then all of a sudden, I mean, that's a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah, it really is. If you're wondering about the big noon kick, well, it look, Michigan's playing Maryland this week. And then it's Michigan at Iowa next week. Here's something to think about. Go ahead. KU looks impressive, beats Duke, right? Iowa State beats Baylor. Is right. that going to be a battle of ranked teams? Kansas-Iowa State? Yeah, it will be. It will be if if both those teams win this weekend. How about that? I don't know. I don't know if KU gets there. They've already announced, but I'm looking ahead to October 1st already. Sorry. But I – I don't know if there is much – like there's three games that have a six-day hold from uh, from the Big Ten. And they're Michigan at Iowa, Illinois at Wisconsin, and Indiana at Nebraska. They've already decided that Michigan at Iowa is going to be on Fox. At 11. So maybe it's just kind of 
Oh, have they? Have they? Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that, that came never down. Mind. Came Sorry. down yesterday. No 11 big, o'clock. Good. We don't have to worry about, uh, well, never mind. I'm not going to say anything about what we don't have to worry about. Yeah, right knock on wood. Shut up. Shut up, Plank. All right, uh, big story number four. Number four. So the show today has basically been talking about the report from Brett McMurphy. Conference realignment is coming soon. Sooners still plan to leave the Big 12 for the SEC in 2025. But Brett McMurphy reports this morning that the official nail in the coffin has been driven into Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the Bedlam series. Chad Weiberg said, playing Oklahoma presents logistical issues under our current scheduling structure. We don't have any openings to play them. We're full unless there are significant undertakings to make the game happen. It can't change. Joe C. added, Oklahoma State has shown no interest in scheduling any future games in football, so we're moving on. And that's where we are. So if Oklahoma stays in the Big 12 for the next two seasons, then the final Bedlam game will likely be played in 24. Now, if Oklahoma State really doesn't care about playing the Bedlam game, then maybe they could be kind enough to say, all right, Central Florida, all right, Cincinnati, you can play those last two games. We don't want them anymore. But I doubt that's going to happen. OSU is future home and homes with Arizona State, Arkansas, Oregon, Bama, Nebraska, and Colorado. So let's see here. And they're playing Tulsa, for uh, which is great. I, I'm I'm glad they're doing that. What is it next year? South Dakota State, Arkansas, and Tulsa. Is that right? That's 2024. That's I mean that's a nice little non-conference schedule for them. Actually, yeah, not, not bad at all. South Dakota State, solid little FCS program. Do you think? Let me riddle you this. Go ahead. And you tell me if there's any any truth to it or not, okay? If Oklahoma was willing to, for example, 24, 25, 26, 27, whichever years, and I, I'm not going to run down all these schedules. I'm looking at 24 because that seems to be the most reasonable date that Oklahoma would be in a different conference to begin with, right? Right. If Oklahoma said, hey, we'll buy out the South Dakota State contract and would do that for however many years, could this thing happen? Is that a hurdle that legitimately exists, I guess, is what I'm asking you. Would that kind of be like, uh, or we'll buy out the to- to- buy the Tulsa game out? Why? Well, okay, let me counter. What benefit is that for Oklahoma? There is none outside of getting the Bedlam game played. <laughs> There's no benefit. I wish, I wish you could have seen the look on Josh's face. But none, none whatsoever. I mean, I'm just saying, like hypothetically, if it was that important to get this thing played. Right. And I, I hear you on the text line before you blow it up. I, I get it. Oklahoma's not going to do that. There's no reason for Oklahoma to do that. It's bad business sense. If Oklahoma State is motivated to play the game, they would do the same thing on their own accord, own dime. I'm just saying, hypothetically, hypothetically. if that option was on the table, would the game get played in your mind? I say no. Probably not, yeah. I mean, I'm, that's an inch. I never thought of that philosophy, but look at you. I like it. Um, anyway, that's been the show today. And it can continue to fire them off in the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. All right, big story number three. Number three. And number two are kind of combined here a little bit. Number two. Because we had two football games last night. We'll start, and, and a lot of NFL news to get to as well. Let's start with the thorough kicking. Last year's number one seed in the AFC is now 0-2, and, and they were smoked 
at the hands of the Buffalo Bills last night. Oh, oh, wait for it. Wait for it. Takes the snap. Fakes the handoff. Josh rolling to his left. Looks back, throws the other way to his right. It is caught in the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Stephon Diggs. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen looked really good last night. Breaking news. He might have a future in this football I think he's going to be okay. 41-7 was the final score for the Bills, knocking off the Titans. Allen finished with 317 yards and four touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill threw two picks as the Titans fall to 0-2. It really ramps up for Buffalo the importance of they've got to get past the Kansas City hurdle. They need to cash in, you know, if not right now this season, then next season while this core is right there. I mean, Josh Allen gives them obviously an extended window here. I mean, as long as you've got – knock on wood, Josh Allen playing quarterback over there, you're going to be in some wars with Kansas City conceivably sure. now and into the future. But, I mean, it's just the way they're starting this season and coming off the heartbreaker that was to end their year last season in Kansas City in overtime. We all know how that ended. I mean, it just feels so much through two weeks. Like, this is a franchise. Man, they're on a mission, right? They got to they gotta find a way to cash this year in. By the way, their, their schedule – their schedule is kind of no joke. I mean, they got Miami this weekend in Miami. Then they go to Baltimore, does Buffalo, before a home game against Pittsburgh and a road trip to KC. So their next four games are – Kansas City game is going to be so good. It's going to be fun. Meanwhile, a lot of people deleting old tweets about Jalen Hurts after last night. <laughs> Second down and eight. This time, he's back again. He's looking. He is going deep for Quez Watkins, who has it and goes in for the touchdown. The strike to Quez Watkins. He hit him in stride for 53 yards. There you go. There you go. Jalen had himself a night, and so did the Eagles. Chalk up another win for Philly, 24-7, dominating Minnesota last night. Jalen, 333 yards, a touchdown. Uh, also ran for 57 yards and two touchdowns. Afterwards, Hertz talked about moving forward. I feel like from last week to this week, we took we took steps as a football team, a little more crisp, um, not as many dead plays, and we just played better as a group. Um, we played together in both weeks, I think. But now we just have to take that next step, and um, that's the challenge going into this week. Um, more. More from that game last night. How about Nick Sirianni? He's a year further into his process, and we're talking about getting better every day, and he lives that. He's one of our captains. He's one of our leaders, and he lives the 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 theory of getting better every day, and, and that's why you're seeing major improvements because of the, the type of person and the type of the player he is. It's interesting because I didn't know – I don't know how Jalen's game would translate to the NFL. And, and listen, we're not – we're two weeks in. Lot, I mean, as we've learned in the NFL, a lot of things can change after two weeks. But if there is one area that I feel like I missed on Jalen Hurts, it's he gets better every year. He got better every year. He got better. Might have had a little bit of a fallback after his freshman year at Alabama and then was in the competition with Tua, but he was a better quarterback at Oklahoma than he was at Alabama. He was a better quarterback his first year at Philly than he was at Oklahoma, better his second year, and he – just keeps improving. Philly's got Philly might be 4-0 going into a game against Kyler. 
They've got Washington this week and then the Jaguars. But, of course, it's the NFL, so they they'll get whooped t- by Washington. They could be 2-2 two and two and get destroyed by Washington, and it makes no sense. Conceivably, yeah. I mean, they should win both of those games. Two other notes real quick, because I don't think we need to hear – we don't need to hear from Kevin O'Connell afterwards last night. Stephen Jones was asked about the return for one Dak Prescott. We just won't know until we get closer, uh, you know, to really give an, an educated guess. Right now it's still, uh, you know, I, I will say this, so far everything's gone his way. From the surgery to the swelling after the surgery was uh, very minimal uh, compared to what it can be. And, uh, you know, we're just optimistic about it. And on the date when he could return, like he said, they, they just don't know. Meanwhile, Sean Payton was asked about FOMO. That's, for those that aren't familiar, the fear of missing out. Yesterday was the first day after I've retired that I had FOMO. I I honestly was missing out. In both fights that these teams have had, significant fights, you see a cheaper shot by a player. The rest have all been, you know, four nets confronting one or the other. Evans talking. He's the only corner that shuts him down. Yeah, and and so that's that's where you don't want someone to get hurt. Yesterday was the day where I just was jealous of everyone else that was there. The, the, the corner conversation had nothing to do with Sean Payton and what he was talking about. I thought that was wild because if I'm a Cowboy fan and I hear that, it's like, all right, let's go. Sean Payton, welcome to Dallas. If I'm a, Still wants the coach. If I'm a – gosh, where's other – oh, if I'm a Denver fan, if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm thinking – You're already ready to punt on Hackett? This Daniel Hackett guy has no idea what he's doing. Did you see the video that's making the rounds of Russell Wilson telling all his teammates to yell, to yell pass and run on the sidelines? Oh, yeah. From, uh, I mean, that's from week one against Seattle. Is it really? Oh, it's everybody, come on. Everybody, say run. Say pass. <laughs> it's so bad, isn't um, it? Oh, I guess it gets us to big story number one, right? Come on, third graders. Everybody yell. <laughs> let them know. Let them know. Number one. Number one. Number one. You know what would be great about that, though, is in the post game, if like Bradley Chubb is there, he's like, well, you know, we didn't know. We didn't know what's going on. Then all of a sudden, I heard this voice in the sideline that yelled, pass, pass, pass. And, and we went out there and we were able to do it. I, I heard Russell Wilson yelling, run, run. <laughs> all right. Uh, big story number one, obviously, is the countdown to Oklahoma and Kansas State and the Brent Venables presser, which should be getting underway here shortly. We'll bring you what we can, anything that Brent Venables has to say. Now, We've got Jeff Levy, and I've got more Ted Roof coming up here after the break. But I will say there I, – I, I always am careful how I word this, but we're not really overly concerned about too many injuries right now. You had Chris Murray, who came off early. Well, he was in late, but came out of the game early. I think Theo Wees wasn't feeling real well on Saturday. Our Mason Thomas didn't play, but – it, and Nick Anderson went and went through warm-ups, but he didn't end up dressing for the game. So for the most part, you're looking at a team that appears to be pretty healthy. We'll see if we get an update on our Mason Thomas, though, because he was there, not in uniform, looked like he might have been able to go, but then again, it, sometimes it can be deceiving. So I have an injury update. Captains have been announced, if you missed that. Andrew Rame, Jaden Davis, Marvin Mims, Jeffrey Johnson – and Ethan Downs for Saturday night's game against the Kansas State Wildcats. And we'll hear a little bit from Chris Kleiman next, right here on The Ref. So I see Pac-12 Commissioner 
George Klyvkov kind of subscribes to my theory about Pac t- uh, Big Ten expansion and the future of the Pac-12. What did he say? If schools were leaving for the Big Ten, they would have left for the Big Ten already. Oh, no. That's usually, unfortunately, a kiss of death. I need to... I need to kind of change my mindset now because if they were leaving, here's what he screwed up on. If they were leaving overnight, they would have left already. <laughs> now, five years from now, they might still be leaving. Um, he did. That my man's confident. I'll give George Klyvkov one thing. He seems he seems pretty confident he about the future of the, of the Pac-12. Publicly. Yeah, you know, back in July. He basically guaranteed that no team will leave for the Big 12 and that they'll sign a grant of rights if the right deal is put before them. He doubled down on that in a podcast with John Canzano and John Wilner earlier today. So, man, this show has had all the crutch topics of the offseason, right? A little bedlam debate. How about that? And conference realignment conversations. If I think that regardless of the future of Bedlam, which looks like it's done for a while based on Brett McMurphy's reporting today, and again, um, that doesn't really shock too many of us. It's just maybe there was hope that it could be, hey, in 2027, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will play. But Oklahoma State doesn't want to. And their schedules are pretty set. And that's fine. So we all move. I wish Bedlam would continue. I mean, Florida, South Carolina, let me go back. Georgia Tech still plays Georgia every single year. South Carolina still plays Clemson every single year. Florida still plays Florida State every single year. But others don't. You know, the problem that has happened is – the two local examples for Oklahoma State, what happened? Well, Kansas stopped playing Missouri. Texas and Texas A&M stopped playing each other, right? Mm-hmm. So the expansion and realignment, at least in terms of programs that we know around here, that Oklahoma State knows around here, they didn't keep playing each other once one member left the conference. Nebraska, guess what? They didn't play anybody right. from the Big 12. I mean, now – a little bit later on down the road, you had the home and home here with Oklahoma, but it wasn't immediate. It wasn't, hey, we're still playing this thing as soon as we're gone. Right. That didn't happen. No, nah, it takes time sometimes. But Brent Venables is speaking with the media as we speak. So uh, we'll we'll have tons of what BV had to say coming up on the Steel Man and Thune at Noon show once he wraps up. And I guess we should also add here tomorrow on the show, we'll have tons of it. You want – you want to hear Chris Kleiman, or is now the time where we can just go all in on the NFL? <laughs> Your call. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this would be the moment. Let, let me let me get one cut from Chris Kleiman, and then we'll talk about the NFL from last night and what we learned from week two. All right. Uh, Chris Kleiman's presser is actually at 1230 today. Here is what he said post-game after the loss to Tulane. Uh, really disappointing loss, tough loss against a good Tulane team. Give uh, Coach Fritz and Tulane uh, a lot of credit. They had a really good game plan, played really well, uh, outplayed us, and uh, – Still had an opportunity uh, to win, but uh, didn't get it done. Uh, really, the game comes down to our inability to convert on third down, going two of 15, and then uh, inability to convert on fourth down, 
going one of five, you know, put that on me. Don't put that on the kids. Um, I believe in our offense. I believe in Coach Klein. I believe we're going to make those plays. Uh, we work a ton of fourth down situations for those exact scenarios so that we can keep the drive alive. This game's about possessions. Uh, I believe in the defense. And um, the other thing is we were, I thought, pretty tired and pretty gassed on defense. And so figuring we would be able to convert a few of those, we'd keep drives alive and then finally find a way to punch one in. We weren't able to do that. And uh, so that's on myself and uh, uh, offensive staff. And uh, we had some plays out there that we thought we should have had on fourth and short and didn't get them. Bottom line, we just didn't get them. And so uh, give Tulane credit. But uh, uh, good win for them. We got to bounce back. It's our first adversity we've had since in 2022. You know, 2022 started out with a bang at a bowl game. Uh, we've had nothing but, but uh, great times since then, and now we got adversity. And let's see how we respond because it's struck, and let's see how we respond. So you heard him mention the frustration over third downs. I, I guess more specifically there was fourth downs. Kansas State was two for 15 on third down conversions Saturday. They were just one of five against Tulane. Now, in fairness, Tulane beat them 17 to 10 when they only converted one of 12 third downs. The two teams combined to go 3 for 27 on third down conversions. Yeah, terrible. But Climate did say afterwards the most frustrating part was at least on the fourth down and shorts, they got whipped in the trenches. Maybe 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 Oh, Coach no. Kleiman. Hold on, hold on. This is a this is a me problem, okay? This isn't anyone else. This is a Chris Plank problem, and he screwed up because he had what he was supposed to be playing muted. So let's try that again in 3-2-1. The most frustrating part was they got whipped in the trenches. So often? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they uh, they got after us. They, you know, they did some good things with stunts. Um, they got penetration. Um, and... Uh, just we didn't we didn't make the plays that we are capable of making. There you go. So Chris Kleiman from Saturday. How did they score seventeen points if they were one for twelve on third? I nine? don't know. Did they have like a chunk touchdown or two? Well, here's just in looking back, I was watching just some of the highlights. I haven't sat and watched the whole game. They had a twenty one yard touchdown pass, and that was that was it. For, oh, you mean for, ta- for ta- uh, Tulane? Tulane, yeah, Tulane. That an eight-play, 91-yard drive and uh, then had a five-play, 52-yard drive. Those are their two big drives of the game. And, I mean, obviously, did they – what were they on fourth down? One for one for three or something. And yeah. I know that the one that they converted was at the end of the game to ISA. Yeah, that's right. And that – that fourth down that they converted at the end of the game was on their own side of yeah, the field. And like the let me see here, where was it? It was like at the, the twenty twenty four. Is at their own twenty four? Yeah, but that, but yeah, they they did a really good job in shutting down Kansas State and Willie Fritz. Danger is my middle name. It's funny because the Tulane offense hadn't done anything in the second half. That a field goal on their opening drive. Then they went punt, punt, interception, punt. And then Kansas State, with a game tied at 10, went for it on fourth down. Tulane stopped him, proceeded to turn around and drive 50, uh, 52 yards for a touchdown. So there's a quick little snapshot of what we learned on Saturday about Kansas State. And we'll hear in depth from Chris Kleiman coming up 
here in just a bit. Let's get a quick anything that's kind of anything that's kind of caught your ear or eye from what we've seen coming out of the Brent Venables presser so far. Doesn't seem like there's been anything breaking, any update on Chris Murray that I can see for now. I don't think anyone was too overly concerned afterwards. Building up Kansas State. Oh, he was asked about the end of Bedlam. He said, I love rivalry games. If that's what they've decided to do, that's what they've decided to do. My opinion doesn't matter. He did add, the schedule gets more difficult moving forward, starting with Kansas State this week, but I'm really pleased with the improvement that we've made. So there you go. A couple of highlights from the Brent Venable press conference here early on. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's talk some NFL, some National Football League. What did we learn from over the weekend in the NFL? I've got to dip back into this Air Comfort Solutions text line. It's straight fire. It's a plank show right here on The Ref. Uh. <laughs> is that a real text? I think he's I think he's being facetious. facetious. Here's what happens. I don't know that he is, is he? I think what happens is every single time that there is an opening and there is a coach that just stepped away. Right. Or a couple. Right. Then that name starts to float. I'm not buying too terribly much about the Sean Payton Nebraska stuff. Jesse writes, have you heard the rumors about Sean Payton reaching out to Nebraska and that he reached out to OU when Lincoln left? He seems like an NFL guy. Curious how you think he would fit in the college game. And you know how this one goes from here. Uh, Did you see? I mean, they're thinking about Sean Payton. I just, again, I don't, I hate to sound like dismissive because Jesse's my guy, and I know he's just laying out what is out there. I'm not buying any of it. And I would say this, obviously different resources, different backing, different level of importance to the fan base, right? But, man, I just, I've been pretty consistent in this. I'm typically not someone that's super supportive of NFL guy goes to college or college guy goes to NFL. You're typically either a very successful college head coach for a long time, or you're typically a very successful NFL assistant and head coach for a long time. We saw what happened with Herm Edwards, right? Right. Just said uh, adios this week. Generally speaking, we don't see that skipping back and forth. Not saying that Sean Payton, who knows, right? If, that was a serious situation at Nebraska. Right. I'm not saying that it's impossible that he's not great there. I'm saying that, generally speaking, those don't work. And there's a reason that, typically, you don't see an NFL guy go to a college gig and vice versa. I love the idea, though. I mean, I think it'd be cool. I'm just – I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I've also heard that the fire alarm went off in our hotel at Saturday night. <laughs> I don't, which I, which I don't think, no, which I know is not true. So whomever started that, tell them to quit making up stuff. All right, let's get the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line out here. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. I'm so proud of you. You, you recite that without even looking. I've got to, it only took me five years to memorize it. 
our prep page for some reason isn't loading. And I, so we've just way inside baseball here. We've got a page where we can like put all of our favorite text on and ones that we'll get to. There you go. It's all sorry. Would you scoring. like me to scroll down? Yeah. I got, oh, I got it. Finally. Come on. Okay. Okay. Gundy being fake mad about Bedlam football ending is the ultimate eye roll. Child, please. That's from Michael and OKC. <laughs> I just yeah, my, like he's not upset at all, is he? No, I and I think my favorite thing about it is whenever they tell you it, it's it's when you're talking to me, it's like, well, we're not gonna play us anymore, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I hope so, but if not, we'll go pack our place for Alabama or Georgia and Tennessee and everyone that I just, comes. I, I mean, just don't see how we could. I mean, I our just, schedules and. <laughs> You but, know, we're going to play nine conference games? I mean, this, this, where would we find a spot? I, I'm not trying to sound like an a-hole, but that's the reality of it. I mean, it really is whenever we talk about the – when we talk about battles, like, we're not going to play you. Like, okay, we'll, we'll see. Maybe another sport's fine. I mean, that looked like a great crowd you had for Arkansas Pine Bluff out there on Saturday night. It was packed to the guild for Arizona State. Couldn't find a seed against Central Michigan, but go on. Um. Why do the Sooners care about Bedlam? Writes the 850. It's a no win situation for OU. OSU has trouble filling their stadium without OU. Uh, without OSU. OU doesn't have the same problem. Again. I don't know that it's a no win. Do you think it's a no win? Sometimes. But it's not a no win across the board. I am I am against those who say it's not a rivalry. I'm, a, I'm against those that aren't in favor. I think it should be played every year. I think it should be played every year. That's me. I think it should be played with Tulsa. I think Tulsa. I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State should play Tulsa every year and play each other every year. And then you go for the in the case of of then both OU and OSU, you have one other non conference game to worry about. You but know, that's me. I would say twenty years ago, it was a definite no win. Right. Now that's good OSU squad. Right. I mean, it's a valuable win for Oklahoma right now. If Oklahoma stays what they've been, that's a really, really good out-of-conference win for Oklahoma. It is. I know that Sooner fans like to point and laugh and, oh, it's not a rivalry. Oklahoma State's been a good football team for an extended period of time, and they've got one of the longest tenured head coaches in Mike Gundy who is the you know one of the beacons of stability in college sports. Like it, hate it. Whatever you feel, however you want to feel about it, both of those are true statements. And so, to me, I don't know how you could turn around and then classify it as a no win. It is. I mean, there is a win to it. I get that if you lose, it's well. Why did we play the game? We we don't have a bunch to gain from it. I, you know, I can hear that argument a little bit, but there is a level of win to it. A couple of other quick takes. Who? Oh, hold on, I just read that one. Um, whenever. Drake is looking for something. He always goes, uh, in life and in everything. So uh. that, that's where that comes from on this show, in case you were wondering. From the 580, 2029 is the earliest where both OU and OSU have slots open for renewing Bedlam. Any chance the grown-ups can act like grown-ups and get it together by then? Yeah, probably. Probably. I think also, you know, both where are both programs going to be six years from now? Well, I, Wait, it's 2022, right? Seven years from now. We don't – it's no. They'll be really disappointed they didn't play the Bedlam game in 2024 when South Dakota State goes down there and beats them. The other big story today beyond the end of Bedlam officially 
whenever Oklahoma leaves for the big uh, for the SEC. Was a report out of the Tulsa World about hey you know, and it's Eric Bailey had talked to Joe C I think last week and put it all together. Really good stuff about hey the future scheduling and what it's going to look like for the nine one eight fulfilling the obligation could include paying a buyout, not just staying until twenty twenty five. Josie never says we are not leaving early. He always says we are fulfilling our obligation. It's always the same phrase, and to me, it's interesting choice of words. Well, you're never going to tie yourself in to, hey, we're absolutely, unequivocally, definitely not leaving early. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just, Agreed. just dumb. For the 918, who's to blame? Castiglione or Weibert? I'm, I've already got coworkers breathing down my neck how it's all on OU moving to the SEC. Oh, it's it's on OU moving to the SEC, absolutely. To a degree, sure. Sure. Uh, to a large degree. But let, let's also make this very clear. As I've said a thousand times on this show today, every person that covers OSU, whenever – and that – Covers it like I cover. In other words, they're invested, right? It's not just their job. They they love OSU. It's always, well, Bedlam's not going to happen anymore. So Oklahoma State doesn't have the desire or the want to play Bedlam. It's fine. And they don't have the spot on their schedule. They've made that pretty abundantly clear. So it's it's a shared blame. OU left for the SEC. Made it clear they'd love to continue to play the rivalry. OSU has said no. And they don't have a spot on their schedule. So it is what it is. In all of this... Joe C. was asked the question whenever we did the Sooner Club event a couple months ago, well, a month ago now, and he said, listen, we want to keep playing if it works for both schools, and OSU has made it abundantly clear they don't. So that's one of those, if I could go back to my single days, that's one of those when you got in a fight with someone and they started talking to someone else or, or I don't know, had a relationship with someone else, you're like, but you were talking to him, and what's the response? We were on a break. We were on a break. Of course I can. We're on a break. <laughs> and so it's it's a matter of who you want to point a finger at. You can say, well, Oklahoma left, so they started all of this. And Oklahoma can say, well, we still wanted to play it. Oh, we're on a break. Sorry. Um, There's there's a lot of really good stuff here. Jesse, five to ten years down the road, we're going to end up with a Bedlam Bowl game. It will be so intense that everyone is going to question the decision not to play. Like everything else, money will end up bringing the game back. Look back to the Thursday. Look back to the Thursday opener for Pitt and West Virginia. Those two teams had their rivalry stop because of conference realignment. And how cool was it when they got back together? Oh, it was great. It was awesome. It'll be in in what would be the timeline on that would be a decade. So, I'm going to say early 2030s. We see Oklahoma like Oklahoma it. State back locked into a home and home of some sort. Uh, and then one more from the 405. I would rather that OU play a home and home in Nebraska every year than Bedlam. Totally agree. Well, and maybe the reality is that with Oklahoma's scheduling approach, they're not going to do what Florida, they're not going to do what South Carolina, they're not going to do what Georgia Tech or Clemson in that matter do, right? It's going to be rotating a lot like we've seen historically. So I wouldn't get I wouldn't get too caught up in that. But it's a really, really interesting point about a yearly rivalry. And I would love for Oklahoma to do exactly what Florida and Clemson and all of them do and still have the rotating opponent. B Could do it. 
Be the adult at the table. Be the, you know, be a warrior. Don't be a coward. Schedule some of these people. All right, quick break. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Before we break, let me just double check if there is anything that's kind of caught our eye from the Lincoln Rally. Oh, my gosh. I just did what Toby, Toby did this morning. Toby, it's Toby's fault. Um, from the Brent Venables press conference, it's going on as we speak. Looks like uh, RPOs are a big concern against Kansas State. Um, Even though Martinez was outrushed by uh, our man from Tulane last week uh, at the quarterback position. Pratt. Brent Venables said he got a text from Bill Snyder after the game, after the Nebraska win. Great job. You got three, now go get four. Then about ten minutes later, Snyder texted back, but not this week, to which Venables replied, I guess he had looked at the schedule and realized. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right, good stuff. Uh, Steelman and Thune will have all of the highlights, but when we come back, what a wrap on this show with a little bit from last night right here on The Ref. We really didn't get to go in depth on the on that coaching carousel disaster from seventeen and eighteen, did we? Holy smokes, what a mess that was! To think that Mario Cristobal, when he was hired at Oregon, had been fired at Florida International, and here he is, one of the bells of the ball as the head coach in Miami. It does go to Wild. show you a little bit that. Look, those I get how it works in the coaching profession. You coach at that school, right? For a lot of guys, coach mm-hmm. at that school, have success. All of a sudden, lower level power five, then boom, you get your big power five job. It does go to show you sometimes it's just hard to win at a program like sure. that. And that's no defining characteristic that you will or will not be successful as a head coach at a place like Oregon or like Miami. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the infrastructure of those. Totally different. Um, We got a lot to get to, and we're out of time. A lot to get to, but we're out of time. And I will say it's going to be very fascinating to watch how things progress over the next couple of weeks in the conference circles because – I, I, I know I wanted to talk some NFL here, but we're short on time, and Brent Venables is talking, and Parker and, and Steelman are coming up next. But I will say this. I could not be more excited for the future of college football. I think playoff expansion is going to be great. I think if an Amazon or a Hulu – well, I guess Hulu's already in because it's, it's, it's ESPN. But if an, if an Amazon or if a Paramount Plus get more involved in the streaming world, I think that's great. I think it's going to be awesome. But I just think sometimes you see movement when you're not expecting it. And it always seems to come whenever someone makes a pretty dumb statement. Now, no offense, Bill Bolt – Bill Bolsby – like the former host, Bob Bowlesby, uh, it was a year ago whenever he said, I don't lose any sleep over conference realignment. And then literally oh. a week later, Oklahoma and Texas were gone. Yeah. The, uh, the commissioner of the Pac-12, George Klaivkov, doubled down on a podcast today that he doesn't, he's not losing any teams to the Big 12. So that, to me, they're gone. To me, that kind of raises the antennas up a little bit. It's like, huh, okay. Because typically these things happen when they're not expected, 
And usually after someone opens their mouth a little bit, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out and if any moves are made over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, we'll have games and press conferences and all that fun stuff that we count down to to talk about. So thanks to Lindsey Gray Walton. Thanks to you guys. Great stuff on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Again, the big story of the day, the report from the Action Network, Brett McMurphy. Uh, neither Oklahoma nor Oklahoma State are going to continue the Bedlam series once OU moves to the SEC, but not shocking. Kind of knew that was going to be the case when it happened. A great, a great report today of a non-report today. <laughs> Something we knew was coming, but it just felt like it was the end. All right, Steelman's next for Josh on Plank. Show never stops on Twitter. At Josh on Rath, at Plank Show, this is the home of Sooner fans.